I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and on this edition, we're going to be discussing Nicolas Pepe's future in light of some reports that have been doing the rounds this afternoon, claiming that Arsenal are willing to cash in on the Ivorian. Now, this is not the first time that this report has come out. That's not the first time uh, that we've heard that he'll be uh, potentially leaving the club this summer. So I'm not getting too carried away one way or the other, but I thought it was a good time to kind of discuss the Nicolas Pepe thing again because he's really struggled for game time um, of late. And it looks as though um, even when we've got problems in other areas and even when we're playing games on Wednesday, Saturday, he's just not going to get in the side ahead of Bukayo Saka. So is it time to let him go and try and boost that transfer kitty ahead of next season? We'll be getting into all of that. And we'll be talking a little bit about why maybe it hasn't worked out for the Ivorian at Arsenal. We're also going to be discussing the future of Mohamed Elneny. Now, we touched on it um, earlier today on our press review show, but we didn't really go into it in a lot of detail. So is Mohamed Elneny somebody that Arsenal should be looking to keep um, going uh, on or into next season? That's a big, big question. Let's say a few hellos in the chat. Big hello to Juno, to James, to Football Capo, to Steve, to Martin, to Lynn. Hope you're well, Lynn. Uh, Harvey, Fatality, uh, Afsar Gunner, and everybody else joining us in the live chat. Hope you guys are all good. Now, there is a poll in the live chat that you can vote in if you wish. And that poll is around Mohamed Elneny. Is Mohamed Elneny somebody that you'd like Arsenal to keep beyond this season as a squad player? Now, this comes off the back of some comments that Mohamed Elneny made uh, over the weekend where he said, you know, I, I'd be, I think I'd be quite happy to stay at Arsenal. I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but he said something along the lines of if a contract offer was to come his way, he'd find it very, very difficult to turn it down. Now, we'll, we'll come back to the Egyptian in a bit, but let's let's start on Nicolas Pepe because this is something that it's been rumbling on for a while. Okay, it's it's been very apparent over the last few seasons that he isn't a seventy-two million pound player. Now, that's what Arsenal paid for Nicolas Pepe. And it then came to light, didn't it, that it was a job, uh, a transfer, I beg your pardon, that, you know, the new ownership or or the ownership since they took full control and um, and the people that have since been sort of conducting reviews of Arsenal's business during that period have decided that, you know, we definitely overpaid for him. I think we can all agree with that. I think Arsenal had two options at the time. It was Wilfred Zaha, it was um, Nicolas Pepe. And we know that the Nicolas Pepe deal was one done uh, with structured payments. And we think, and again, we think that that was Arsenal's preference at the time, that they felt that they were in a position where doing a structured deal would be much more beneficial, much more affordable. And we think that's why they opted for Nicolas Pepe. So he comes into the club with that huge, huge price tag. And obviously the expectation around him is massive, massive. And I think it was quite apparent quite quickly, quite early on in his Arsenal career, that that price tag was an unfair one, that we'd been had, really, in the sense of we paid way too much money for a player who showed a lot of promise in the French League, who showed a lot of quality whilst playing for Lille. But 
as I always say, there was never any guarantee that he was going to be able to translate the form that he showed there into the Premier League. And actually, when you look at his goal tally in his last season in France, which was what a lot of people were hyped about when we made the signing, a lot of them were penalties. And perhaps there was a few things like that, red herrings, if you like, in Nicolas Pepe's record that just maybe sent people down this road of thinking, well, this is a, a signing that we need to make and this is a signing that we need to break the bank for. And it's been clear, as I say, right from the start of his Arsenal career that he's not been up to the level that a £72 million player should. And after about a year of watching Nicolas Pepe at the Arsenal, kind of giving him the benefit of the doubt and thinking, well, he's going to get there eventually. He's settling in. It's a new club. It's a new country, new language, etc., etc. I eventually came to the point where I just went, look, you got to accept that this guy's not a £72 million player. He didn't slap a £72 million price tag on his own back. It was obviously what Lille were looking for, but it's also what Arsenal were willing to pay. And I got to a point, as I say, pretty early on in Nicolas Pepe's Arsenal career, where I just felt like there's no point in talking about his transfer fee anymore. There's no point in reverting back to that every time we want to assess how well he's done because it's abundantly clear and it's painfully obvious that he's not at that level. And once you get past that, I think then you can start to judge Nicolas Pepe for what he actually is. And that's probably a 25, 30 million pound player in that he is capable of scoring goals. He is capable of causing opponents problems in and around the penalty area. So why is it that even at times when Mikel Arteta's Arsenal really struggled to score goals or be creative, that he's found himself a peripheral figure. Well, I think it's quite simple. I think that the main reason that Nicolas Pepe has found himself on the outside, has found himself looking in, has found himself struggling to break in to the starting eleven, is because of what he does off the ball. And I'm not saying he does nothing because that would be harsh. And I'm not saying he doesn't work hard. He got, has this kind of casual demeanour in the way that he walks and the way that he carries himself. And that can lead to people thinking he's lazy. I don't think he's lazy. I've looked at stats. I've looked at, you know, heat maps. I've looked at lots of things. And I, I don't believe that Nicolas Pepe is lazy. I just think he's an out-and-out -out winger who wants to be on the front foot, who wants to have the ball at his feet and, and wants to be given that licence and freedom to kind of do whatever he wants from that position on. He doesn't want to have defensive responsibility. And there are some players in the modern game and in, in years gone by that are so good, that are so effective in the final third, that are so you know lethal and, and can always make the right decisions that you almost as a manager go, OK, that's what you do. Um, I, I would like you to do a little bit more going back the other way, but as you don't, um, but you contribute so much more, I'll kind of let it slide. And Mikel Arteta, I think, has made it abundantly clear throughout his time as Arsenal boss that he isn't going to let anything slide. He wants 110% from everyone all of the time. And actually, his game model, which is built very much around the pressing style, around an aggressive style, around shifting back into certain shapes when we don't have the ball, it needs players that are going to give you both. And it's one of the reasons that Mikel Arteta is such a big fan of Martin Odegaard, obviously technically excellent footballer, has a wonderful left foot, great vision, great control, um, the ability to dribble. He's got lots going for him from a technical perspective. But Martin Odegaard also gives you all of those other things off of the ball. You look at Gabriel Martinelli, who has started to 
show Mikel Arteta that he can be a little bit more tactical, tactically aware and can get back and help out and can do a job when asked to do so off the ball. And all of a sudden you've seen his game time increase over the last few months as well. So I think that, you know, it's on the players to, and you you might disagree with this, but it's on the players, rightly or wrongly, to prove to Mikel Arteta that they can do both sides of the game. And I just look at Nicolas Pepe and I don't see that. I don't see somebody who gives you anywhere near as much going back the other way. And listen, it's not just about distance covered. I mean, I, the game that always sticks in my mind in recent months was the away win at Aston Villa, where he came back quite a bit in the latter stages of that game, but you never felt comfortable with him in a defensive position. You always felt like he was about to make a mistake, like it was about to cost us. And and I'm at the point now where I just think if he doesn't fit into what Mikel Arteta is trying to do, he can't be happy sitting around the place, not doing an awful lot. Then it's time to cash in on Nicolas Pepe. And the report from Mark Irwin in The Sun today says that Arsenal would be willing to cash in on him for around about £25 million. Now, I've got to be honest, I don't think we get £25 million for Nicolas Pepe. I really don't. I think that he's someone who you're probably going to want that sort of money for and you're probably going to set your stall at around about that much. But as I say, I think you'd be very, very lucky to get that sort of money. I think if somebody came in with a 15 to 18 million pound bid, um, that's pounds, not euros, I think that the club will be tempted. I think that they'd want to save on his wages. I think that there's a you know, there's a there's a human part to being a football manager as well, right? And there's a human part to all of this as well. Like you, you can see that Nicolas Pepe is not himself. You can see that Nicolas Pepe is 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 still in his shell. You can see that when he does from time to time come out there and express himself, he's got a lot of talent, he's got a lot of ability, but he's not in an environment right now where we're able to extract the best of him and he's not in an environment where I think it's set up for him to succeed. Now, this is what happens when you end up with players signed by previous regimes and, you know, there's no regard then going forward, is there really, for what what he cost? Like, that signing, we think, was presided over by Raul Sanley and he is gone. That signing was made when Unai Emery was in charge. Now, we know he wasn't the man that Unai Emery wanted per se, but we know that Unai Emery wanted a winger, which is why Arsenal went out and got Nicolas Pepe. Mikel Arteta has come in and has decided that actually there are other areas in the team that he sees as more of a priority. And the investment has gone into other areas. It's why we're now relying on Saka, Smith, Rowe, Martinelli, all youth products, um, all young players who are coming through, young players who are still on their journeys but Mikel's okay with that because he feels like it's it's got to be, or the money that we've got has to be spent in other areas and what he perceives to be the right areas. So I'm just, I look at this Nicolas Pepe thing and I think, look, it's time that we just let him go. It's time that we get some money in for him to boost and, and bolster the summer transfer kitty. But are we going to get the £25 million that Arsenal are said to want? I'd be surprised if we did. And the reason for that is because I believe that Nicolas Pepe if he did leave the club, would go abroad. And when you look at the finances of some of the clubs abroad in comparison to those in the Premier League, they're not comparable. So, yeah. Um, it, and, and, and also, just going back to that point I was making about the human part of this, right? Nicolas Pepe probably wants to go. Let's be honest, he's not going to come out and say it. 
because it's not his style. He's a very quiet character, keeps himself to himself, doesn't really do an awful lot of talking in the media. But he, as I say, can't be happy with his current role and probably wants to move on. And I think as a manager, as a football club, that does come into your thinking as well. If you've got someone who's unhappy, who's miserable, who you can see has lots and lots of potential, but simply isn't fulfilling it at your football club, there must be a tiny bit of you, particularly if you're not selling to a rival that goes, okay, you know, we might take a little bit less. We'll facilitate this transfer because it's in the benefit of everybody. And I, and I do feel like we've got to that point with Nicolas Pepe. It's almost a shame to watch him sort of jogging up and down, warming up on the sidelines without really getting involved an awful lot. He's proven throughout his Arsenal career, though, that when confident, when informed, when feeling good and when playing regularly, that he can be a major contributor. And I thought, actually, in, in what might be a pivotal game for us this season, when we look back, that victory over Wolves at Emirates Stadium, he was the catalyst for that game turning around. So, yeah, um, I, I like the player. I really do. And there's been a lot of suggestions that he should play centre-forward of late. I don't really think it works. And and that's just my opinion. I'm happy to be proven wrong. I think he gives you pace. He gives you trickery, unpredictability. And you know that if you put him in the right position um, with the ball at his feet, that more often than not, he's going to find the back of the net. But I always think... It's difficult to judge how wide players will transition into centre-forwards because of the different environment in which they pick up the ball. So Nicolas Pepe, if he gets it right on the touchline, he can, first of all, he can afford to pull out that far wide to escape the attentions of anybody. No backline necessarily wants to open up and leave gaps and spaces in between, in between one another. So they don't tend to go out and confront you when you pull out that wide. But then once you've got the ball at your feet, you can get your head down and you can attack and you can attack the penalty area and you can get into the types of positions that a centre forward would never be able to get into freely without having a centre half up his backside. And that's why I think that the wingers coming in from those wide positions into the slightly more inverted positions, that's easier for them to do than it is for a centre forward to find space on the edge of the penalty area. And I think centre forwards can quite easily be isolated if they don't have a presence, if they don't have power, if they don't have the physique and um, and if the system around them isn't isn't geared up to suit them. And I don't think that the current system with which we play would suit Nicolas Pepe playing as a centre forward. I just don't think it works. Again, that's my opinion, but I, ju I just don't see it. Zana says um, we should convert Pepe to a striker like Wenger did with Van Persie and Henri. But look at the frame, look at the build of both of those two guys. In comparison, um, you know, to to Nicola Pepe, Thibaut says can't say for sure, but he looks so unbothered at times. I think that's where it goes wrong. Yeah, you know, and and often listen, I've come across a lot of characters in life who seem really laid back and seem as though they don't care, but actually they do. In fact, I've been called that in the past. Um, in my previous job, in my old job, when I was before I was working in football stuff. Um, somebody called, used to call me at work horizontal Harry because apparently I was so laid back. It wasn't because I didn't care or I wasn't doing a good job. It's just my demeanour and the way I carried myself in that particular job. And, you know, sometimes people can be misunderstood. But if you work with this player day in, day out, and you see him on the training pitch day in, day out, then any sort of preconceptions that may have been incorrect should have been erased by that point, in my opinion. So, 
I think that, you know, I think the whole thing about looking unbothered is is a problem for Nicolas Pepe. But I think with a manager like Mikel Arteta, who is so intense around all of that stuff, I think it's even more of an issue than it maybe would be with somebody else. Maxim says Pepe's first touch also lets him down. Sometimes it does, mate. You're absolutely right. Sometimes it looks really untidy and he looks like it, the ball's never under his control. Um, but I, I think a lot of that is to do with the fact that he comes on at these kind of random points in random matches and isn't playing regularly. I honestly think that's a bit of rust. Um, Lovely Lion says um, we should sell Pepe and buy Rafinha. Pepe's an individualist who only cares about having a few nice dribbles every game. Lynn says Pepe can go forward, but he can't keep the ball very well. Um, JO4 says only cash in if we can get a replacement. Yeah, I agree with that. We can't afford to weaken our options again in another position without bringing somebody in. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, Football Capo says, the last thing we need is for us to sell Pepe and then bring back Reese Nelson and give him a chance, especially if we're in the CL. I don't think anybody's talking about Reese Nelson coming back and taking the Premier League by storm. Uh, JL Force says, Harry, do you think Pepe is a useful player if we get into Europe? whatever competition that may be. I think in the Europa League, he's a brilliant player. I think that's, without sounding condescending or harsh, I think that's probably his level. In that in that competition, I think he can thrive. And I think he looks very good. And I think he's capable of making the difference against most of the sides that compete in that competition. But, you know, we need to look at quality now because we're trying to build. And when you build, you need to build properly, strong, solid foundations. And I just look at Nicolas Pepe and don't think that he can be that guy uh, for us. He's certainly not better than Bukayo Saka at the moment. He's certainly not going to displace him from the team. And clearly, Mikel Arteta isn't too keen on him playing from the left. Clearly, he isn't keen on him playing centre-forward either, like some people are suggesting. So what's the solution? Well, the solution is you're a squad player take it or leave it. Um, and I think that he's probably going to want to leave as a result of him not getting anywhere. What else have we got in the chat box with regards to Nicolas Pepe? Some of you suggesting that we should uh, loan him out. I don't know about that, mate. I mean, when you think about, when you think about sort of the criticism and the, the, the headaches that, sort of Mikel Arteta and the club would have had off the back of that decision to loan out Ainsley Maitland-Niles, for example, who was in a similar boat, a player who had at times shown flashes of what he could do, shown glimpses, but wasn't, I don't think, playing with much confidence and, and certainly wasn't playing regularly. People were, were upset about that. I don't think you can loan Nicolas Pepe out without bringing in a replacement. And I don't think that you should um, look to loan him out because that means it's, it's just a problem that you got to deal with a little bit later down the line. It's a problem that you got to deal with tomorrow. You know, it's it's kicking the can down the road, as I always say, rather than just picking it up and chugging it in the bin. And that's what this situation is with Nicolas Pepe. I'm not for a second suggesting that Nicolas Pepe, uh, his quality is comparable to that that belongs in a dustbin. But I'm just saying that it doesn't really solve the issue at hand, which is that Nicolas Pepe needs more game time and he's not going to get it at Arsenal right now. Some bloke says, if the player wants to go, that makes selling him a lot easier. We struggle to move players who are happy to sit at Arsenal collecting fat wages 
and living the London life. Completely agree. Uh, what else have we got? Um, lots of you asking me about Mohamed Onneni. We're going to come on to that in a minute. Uh, Craig Tanner says, has Pepe ever had a run of games under Arteta? Maybe Arteta should have coached him into the side. Look, again, you're probably right to raise that, Craig, in that he probably hasn't had as much game time or a run of games like he would have liked. But this thing about, like, Mikel Arteta and him having to sort of coach people into the side or having to make sure that, you know, everybody's included, everybody's getting their fair share of games. I don't really buy into this narrative. And, and the reason is because in order for you to have a structure and a culture, it's got to come from the manager first. And then the players are, are going to have to either adapt or move on. And I think that the club have made it very, very clear that they're fully immersed and fully on board the Mikel Arteta train. Now, what that means is that they're going to pick him over any player. We've already seen that. They picked him over Ozil. They picked him over Aubameyang. And we're now in a position where we, um, you know, we've, we've shown as a football club that we're going to give the manager what he wants and we're going to back the manager to do what he feels is right. Now, if Mikel has worked with Nicolas Pepe for, what, 18 months now? Maybe longer, coming up to... Well, it was two years in charge, but this is coming up to the end of his second full season in charge. I don't think there's any indication that Mikel Arteta is working in an environment where he has to do anything um, with regards to keeping players or, or choosing to sell them. I think for me, he just doesn't fit into the, the ideology of Mikel Arteta. They clearly don't um, sing from the same hymn sheet and... And that's that, you know, I'm not saying they've fallen out. I don't think they've fallen out, but I just think that Mikel Arteta knows he's got the backing, knows he's got the support, knows he's got the trust and isn't going to be forced to pick players based on what the previous regime paid for them. And that's ultimately what we're talking about with Nicolas Pepe, right? I think we can all agree that when Bukayo Saka, Emil Smith-Rowe and Martinelli are all available, he doesn't play in any of those wide positions. I think most of us would agree on that. There'll be some that think he, he deserves a place in the side, and that's a fair opinion to have. But based on what we've seen of Nicolas Pepe, I don't think you can make an argument that he starts ahead of any of those three at the moment, in which case he's a squad player, in which case if he's not happy with that, then we've got to look to move him on. Uh, JO4 says, that's the, the thing is, though, I'm not sure who we can get who's willing to come as a backup right wing for under 30 million that has more quality, Harry. Well, I would say this, Jay. I I think that with European football next season, hopefully, fingers crossed, there'll be more opportunities for whoever is playing second fiddle to Bukayo Saka. In fact, I would argue that if Mikel Arteta had a deputy who he felt more confident in, who he felt, you know, came into the side and, and limited the, the sort of disruption to the way we play the game, to the way we defend, to the way we attack as a group, etc., I think he would be more open to rotation. But I think the fact that he doesn't really trust in Nicolas Pepe is why Saka plays every single week. I mean, how many times have we heard um, that sort of Saka is not 100%, that he picked up a knock and that he's been sort of pushed to play and he's kind of going through that pain barrier, etc. So, yeah, I think that if he had a little bit more in terms of options, I think he would probably rotate Saka out more, in which case person that you're talking about coming in 
wouldn't be as much of a backup as Nicolas Pepe is. They'd probably be quite a, a solid contributor to the squad overall. Um, Amira says, hi, Harry, with the rumours about us strengthening our left-sided defence and knowing a good Arteta is at coaching wingers, do you think there's any chance we'll see Nuno as a winger one day? I'll tell you what, he is he is something else when he gets forward. And I, it, sometimes it's so bad that it's good because it's so unpredictable and it, it just throws people off. I don't know, man. I, I, I quite like to see Nuno in the attacking third because I think sometimes when you're struggling to break a team down, although it can be as frustrating as hell at times, that unpredictability can be key. And it's one of the things I like about Nicolas Pepe is that he can be unpredictable. And um, and sometimes that that's the hardest thing to defend against if you don't know what you're going to do next. How the hell does the defender? Um, so, yeah, um, maybe, maybe he'll be pushed for, further forward. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe he'll be someone that we utilise as a wing-back in the event that we want to change the system. I think he's a useful player to have around the squad, Nuno Tavares. I think he's still a bit raw, but I think he's only going to get better. And um, I'd keep him around the place at the moment. It's just a bit of a shame that he's having to play every single week now because he's probably not ready for it, really. Um, Lynn says, Harry, don't you think we need a winger who can give Saka competition so that Saka can give you a break? Yeah, that, and that builds into what I was saying uh, just a moment ago. I know you you sent the comment before um, I said that. But yeah, I, I do think that if Mikel Arteta had a more capable deputy on the right flank, I think he would, um, he would give... Saka more breaks and more rest and and rotate him more often than he currently does. And I also think that Mikel Arteta is huge on the inverted wingers idea. So, i.e. a left footer plays on the right and a right footer plays on the left. And that's why you don't really see Martinelli going out there. I know he played uh, a brief bit of the Southampton game out on the right-hand side, but overall, it's clear that Mikel Arteta prefers his wingers to have the ability to cut inside Anonymous says, Harry, would you swap Pepe from, for Anthony from Ajax? I would, but I don't think that we would be able to get that deal done, mate. I think that's a tad ambitious. I think Ajax know exactly what they've got in Anthony. Um, he's a player that's in huge demand. One that I probably expect to move on this summer uh, for a substantial amount of money. Moving on. Uh, let's see what else you guys are saying. Uh, FOD says, uh, Gapco. Uh, in for Pepe. Uh, so if we could sell Pepe, he's saying we'd get Cody Gapko in. <sighs> again, I don't know about him. And again, I think he's a player that is better playing from the left. So does that just stockpile us more on the left-hand side where Smith-Rowe and Martinelli already like to play? Or, or is he someone that Mikel would trust to put over on the other side? I don't know. Um, I, I really don't. But again, he's not. He's a player I quite like, uh, Cody Gakpo. But are we going to be able to get him for the fee that we bring in for Nicolas Pepe? I don't think so. I think we'd probably have to whack a bit on top. Okay, let's take a few more uh, of your thoughts and a few more of your questions. Um, Jid F32 says, am I the only one who thinks that Martinelli has got Pepe-esque tendencies? where he tries too hard most times to first dribble past people before trying to be productive, yet he gets a shout. I do think that Martinelli can be frustrating sometimes. And I do think that Martinelli can be sort of like head down, only thinking about what he's doing. And maybe if he paused and was a little bit more composed and looked up at times, um, he'd be much more effective. I, I agree with that. I think that's still a development area 
for Gabby Martinelli. But I think it's different because he's young, um, younger by quite a bit. And we didn't pay £72 million for him. So naturally, the patience is is there. Now, I'm not saying that's right. I don't think a player is responsible for his price tag. I don't think that is something that you should hold against Nicolas Pepe. But naturally, it's going to influence people's thinking around him, right? The fact that we pay such a huge fee for him. Uh, Jared says, that, do you think a James Ward-Prowse signing will be decent for our team? I quite like James Ward-Prowse. I think he's a superb set-piece taker, which is obviously always handy to have. Anything in and around the penalty area. You feel like he can he can do damage, whether that be sort of with direct attempts at goal or with crosses. Just a wonderful dead ball uh, specialist. Don't really know about what he would bring in the midfield, though, like overall, like outside of him sort of taking set pieces. I've watched a fair bit of James Ward-Prowse. I just feel like he's quite hardworking, quite industrious. Um, but is he much better than some of the other options, some of the other alternatives when you take away the set-piece bit? No, I don't think he is. So it depends how much value you place on the set-piece thing, how much value you place on Premier League experience, which we talk about quite a bit, don't we? Um, yeah, but he's not signing that if we'd made it, I'd be like, no, 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 what have we done? I'd be quite curious to see how that one worked out, actually. Um, Harvey says, any news about Saka after we he was subbed out, Harry? Of course, Bukayo Saka was taken off at the weekend against Manchester United, but Mikel Arteta confirmed after that he had a problem going into the game. So it was to no surprise uh, that he didn't last the 90 minutes. I, I don't know um, what he's going to be like. I hope and I would think that if if he's even at 80%, Arsenal will, will get him on the pitch against West Ham United because just a handful of games left now and they're really, really important and they're really, really crucial. But no, no news at the moment. And maybe we'll get a little bit more from Mikel Arteta in his press conference ahead of that West Ham game. Uh, Mile High Guna says, hey, Harry, hope you had a nice Easter. Thank you so much, mate. Um, a question I've been wondering, and sorry, it's not on topic. If West Ham win the Europa League, would they pip fourth or would the PL have five teams in CL? They're, no, they'd have five. Um, there was a problem um, many years ago, if you remember, where Tottenham finished fourth, Chelsea won the Champions League, and then the fourth place um, was lost. What they do now is they've allocated an additional place, to my knowledge, to the Europa League winner, whatever country they're from. So, uh, no, I don't think it will have any impact on um, on anybody else. Uh, Ty Gunasaurus says, love you, Harry. Thank you very much. He says, a simple cannon is the best ever. It is indeed. Um, this is an interesting question from Martin, who says, Harry, we love him, but if the price is right, do we let Tierney go? His injury record is horrendous, if we're honest. It is a big problem for me. Um, it's a big, big issue for me. Um, you know, I I get irritated by it. I get frustrated by it because we all know how good he can be and how key he can be and how important he is to this team, both as a, as a player, uh, but also as a leader, as a captain. Um, when he is given the armband as well. So, yeah, it, it is frustrating. And and I've always said this, you know, it don't matter how good someone is, if they can't stay fit, then their quality for a lot of the time is irrelevant. And I do feel like we're getting to that point with Kieran Tierney, which is just happening over and over again. And they're not just like small injuries where he's out for like a week or a couple of weeks, you know. We're talking about lengthy stuff all the time. 
Um, you know, he had one earlier in the season, which was about four or five weeks, I think, when Nuno Tavares was playing. And then another one now where he's he's not going to be back until the end of the season, which is, is disappointing. In fact, his participation in Scotland's uh, playoff for the World Cup is is in is in doubt as well. Let's take a couple uh, more of your comments, and then um, we are going to jump off. At, here we go, Jared. Would you rather take Pogba on a free or pay fifty million for Bissouma? I actually was really, really impressed by Yves Bissouma when I watched him play against Tottenham a couple of weeks ago. Um, I thought he was brilliant in that game. Really, really good. I thought he dictated the play in midfield. I thought he was everywhere. I thought he was an athlete, uh, a very good athlete. Obviously, he's an athlete. Um, and I thought he was at his brilliant best. £50 million. I don't even think that that's that much money nowadays when you're talking about sort of a, a midfielder who has the ability to come in and add another dimension to your midfield. I, I don't think that's crazy. But what my reservation is around Bissouma is that there's obviously something, and again, this is not my opinion, but this is just me sort of reading between the lines. There is obviously something that Arsenal aren't too keen on when it comes to him. Because for, for a number of seasons now, we've been linked with signing him and we've never so much as made a move. We've never so much as even inquired about his availability because given the club he currently plays for, and I don't mean this with any disrespect to Brighton and Hove Albion, it's not a club that he um, or that you feel has that ability to resist um, sort of one of the big boys coming in and trying to take away one of their players. Also, why wouldn't he have sort of had his head turned if we had actually gone knocking? And why wouldn't that deal have materialised or happened? And, and and remember, we've we've been looking at midfield options for a couple of summers and we've never so much as gone near Yves Basuma, although it's been reported to our knowledge, to our understanding, there's never been anything more than just those rumours in terms of contact, in terms of actual discussion. So I like Yves Basuma, but I don't think that the club are, are feeling that way. Maybe that will change. I don't know. But I, I just think at this moment in time, he's not someone, in my opinion, that the club have a, a strong eye on. Uh, Snipe.genius says, would you go for Douglas Luiz? I like Douglas Luiz, but again, as I keep talking about, when you're trying to buy from a fellow Premier League club, you're going to have to overpay. And Aston Villa are in a position right now where they do not need money. They've got a very rich and um, very generous owner at this moment in time. And for that reason, I think he'll be very, very difficult to attain. That's for sure. Okay, um, let's just quickly check in where we're at on the likes and then I'm going to take one more question before we jump off. Look, there is uh, nearly a couple of hundred of you with me live right now on YouTube. Surely we can get the likes up to around about 75 without any issue. Please do hit that like button if you haven't done so already and help us on the way to 20,000 subscribers by subscribing if you haven't done so already. I think we're about 170-odd away now so the quicker we can get there the better um also uh please do um what was i going to say i was going to say hit the like button i already said that there was something else i was going to ask you lot to do and i can't remember what it is now oh yeah let me know your thoughts um on the el nenny debate we're going to come to our poll in just a second okay mohammed el nenny then what do we do with mohammed el nenny 158 of you have voted in this poll. 
and an overwhelming 84% of you feel that we should keep him as a squad player. He's come in, he's done a very good job, hasn't he, in the last couple of games. He's been solid. He's been professional. Um, he's actually progressed the ball forward a lot more than I thought he would as well. He's one of those players that gets labelled as a Mr. Sideways. And obviously that's on based on historic stuff. But he hasn't played an awful lot under Mikel Arteta, although he looks to have settled in really, really quickly. And the other thing with Elneny is he's not played a lot of football, but he doesn't look unfit, does he? He always looks like he's in tip-top condition. And he always looks like he's ready to come in at any time. Now, I would have thought that Mohamed Elneny would have got to the point in his career where he'd go, I need to play every single week. But judging by his comments, I don't think that's the case. I think he's, as I said before, quite happy to be at a club like Arsenal Football Club, even if it means he's going to be on the edge and he's going to be on the peripheries of things, often looking in uh, from the outside. So I just think that, you know, if he's happy for that role and the wages don't prohibit us from going and doing something that we we really want to get done, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. Like, for example, and this is going to be maybe slightly controversial, I would prefer to turn to Mohamed Neni when we are desperately short in midfield than Ainsley Maitland-Niles in that position. Genuinely. So get rid of Maitland-Niles, move him on, sell him. Um, he clearly wants to play in midfield. I don't think it's going to work for him at Arsenal. Sell him, let him go. Give Mohamed Neni a, a two-year contract and keep him at the football club. Why not? Um, not as a starter, not as a first choice, but I think he's proven over the years that a lot of the time he can just come in and and with no frills, no nothing special, can just be a solid operator. He's just someone who can come in and just do the basics and do them right. And um, and I think that's really, really, um, really, really important to have in and around the squad. You know, it's not just about having all the superstars. It's about having people who, um, you know, who can come in and be reliable, who can come in and help who can come in and steady the ship when it's needed. And I think he's certainly done that um, over the last couple of games. And I'm actually sort of sitting here thinking like, and and we, we've we all done it, right? Every every time Mohamed Elneny sort of drifts off into the shadows and doesn't play much, we're all like, oh, you know, we, we need to get rid of Elneny, get rid of him, get rid of him. And every time he comes back into the side, he always comes in and gives you a performance that makes you go, well, for all the criticism and stick I've given him, actually he's quite a reliable deputy. And if you think back, as is pointed out by GB, um, you know, to the great Alex Ferguson sides, for example, people like Park Ji-sung and Darren Fletcher were always that kind of player, weren't they? Not great, but when you needed them for certain games to carry out certain tactical game plans or or to just plug holes when somebody else was unavailable, they'd quite often be able to come in and do that and do a reliable job of it. And I think that Mohamed Elneny is that. I really do. So for me, I would much prefer to see Mohamed Elneny start in the Arsenal midfield when, of course, we've got injuries and players missing over Maitland-Niles. And, and that's my that's my thoughts on it. Um, let's just take a few more of your comments on that um, on that subject. And then uh, I'm going to jump off, but we'll uh, we'll discuss it, I'm sure, uh, more tomorrow with Mike Stavry on our weekly podcast as well. Um, and this is a good point from Lynn as well. And I, and I did touch on this on the show we did earlier today. Did you see the photo of Mikel and Elneny on Saturday? There's a lot of respect from both Mikel and Elneny. Yeah, 
And it just goes to show, doesn't it? You know, when people say he's lost the dressing room, the people that are not playing don't want to be there. They're not happy. They're not invested. They're not involved. Well, that was a, a telltale sign. He's coming from the cold. He's done a really, really good job um, over the last couple of games. It is just a couple of games. And look, if you played El Nenny for 9, 10, 12 games in a row, you'd probably start to see what it is that prevents him going on to the next level and what it is that means he is a squad player, like what it is the manager sees, what it is the manager and managers before him feel, um, you know, limit him to a certain level and to a certain role within the squad. But as a deputy, as a, a replacement, as a squad player, I think he's a really good fit. Um, Jid says, keep El Nenny. The poll's a bit reactionary, but he's solid. Arsenal can't and will never have twenty a 25-man squad of players who'd walk into any top four team. We need dependable players who are okay being backups. Okay, we are going to leave it there. Um, don't forget to hit that like button if you haven't done so already. We're around about 20-odd uh, likes away from hitting that magical 100 mark. And there's over a couple of hundred of you watching so please do that. Just to summarise, uh, another report today from The Sun claiming that Arsenal are looking to cash in on Nicolas Pepe for around about £25 million. As I say, I don't think we'd even get that, if I'm being honest. But I do think it is time, if he's not going to feature and he's not going to play, to let the Ivorian go. Uh, we also discussed, of course, Mohamed Elneny's future. Is it worth giving him an ex a contract extension? If it's something that is going to not handicap us in what we want to do um, in terms of transfer plans, then do it. Keep him on. He's a reliable operator. And as I say, I prefer to see him in that midfield than Ainsley Maitland-Niles whenever we need a backup. But yeah, that's my view on that. Don't forget to hit the like button. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you are new. And we'll be back tomorrow uh, or later today for listening via the audio platforms with some more Arsenal and football-related content. Until then, take care. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.